We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. To you, the listener, I want you to know that I appreciate I appreciate you, and I'm thrilled to have you here for another episode. If there's ever anything that I can do to support you, please reach out. That being said, LinkedIn is the channel that you can find me on. Just search for Lori Hybe. You can simply click the follow button as I post daily information about marketing strategy, tips, all podcast episodes, and upcoming events. If you'd like to connect, make sure to send a note with your connection request that references Social Capital. I can't wait to hear from you. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency that believes in order to successfully market to your ideal customer, you have to first understand that customer. Learn more at keystoneclick.com. Today's guest is Bruce McMeekin. Bruce is CEO and founder of BKM Marketing, a Boston-based integrated marketing agency focused on helping clients grow their businesses. BKM Marketing creates about 100 campaigns a year for clients, typically producing millions of direct mail pieces, online display ads, emails, social social media posts, and more. But he's not here to talk about that today. Two years ago, Bruce became interested in understanding how his firm contributed to global warming. So he engaged a class of MBA students to measure his firm's carbon footprint and examine the marketing industry's carbon impact as a whole. Bruce, welcome to the show. Well, Lori, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to be one of your guests. Well, I'm excited to have you and I'm I'm fascinated. I'm intrigued and and I love what you're doing by, by seeing, tying the business of what you're doing in marketing to the greater impact of the whole global warming situation and, and um, carbon impact as a whole. So as a marketing guy, though, what prompted you to spend so much of your time and energy in climate change? Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, first and foremost, uh, yeah, I, live in the Boston area and we have an ocean nearby and everyone's concerned about how, you know, how high that ocean's going to get. And, uh, you know, when we start looking inwardly, it's, it's, you know, why is there so much concern about climate change right now? And it's because of human activity. So I own a small business and we do a lot of stuff that might actually be part of the problem. So I wanted to take a good close look at um, you know, what it is my company does, how what what kind of impact that has, and also the industry. And it, it was really enlightening to see uh, how much is damage actually we are doing as and not just our industry, lots of industries are like this. And so we, we wanted to measure it and see what we could do to offset what we're doing and reduce what we're doing. And believe it or not, that actually helps me make uh, sleep a little bit better at night. And we were you know, very lucky to find out that it is possible for us to offset not only our own impact, but uh, all of the client work that we do. 
And um, you know, so far it's been very well received. And one of the things that um, we get asked, you know, uh, you know, as a follow-up to that all the time is, okay, do um, the businesses' customers really care about whether or not um, you know the companies they're doing businesses with actually, um, you know, they really care you know, if the company cares about the environment. And the the answer is overwhelming. Uh, a lot of different studies on this. Uh, probably the most interesting fact is ninety two percent of customers are more likely to trust a company that supports any kind of social or environmental issue. That, that's mm-hmm. nine out of 10. Um, you know, when you look at millennials, you know, 68% of millennials buy a product with a social or environmental benefit. More often than not, they actually seek it out. So it, it's really a good business in addition to good for the environment. Oh, I love 92%, that's fascinating. 92%. Wow, very cool. So how can I, our listeners go about making their businesses net zero now? Well, there's several ways to go about it. But the, the first thing you really have to do is learn what is, what is, uh, what is your carbon footprint? And uh, it, it varies business to business, of course, um, and industry to industry. But one of the things we ended up learning is how little knowledge there really is uh, about US-based businesses and what uh, you know, the impact they make on the environment is. You have to do a whole lot of uh, research and most of that research will point you to a bunch of resources coming out of Europe. Europe is uh, you know, certainly, uh, I don't know how many years, but you know, a half a decade, a decade ahead of the United States in terms of really trying to combat uh, sources of, of global warming. So I can you know, walk you through an example of, of what we ended up doing sure. and how we went about it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I, I do want to make sure that this isn't about, you know, us looking great by doing this. It's, this is really more, uh, something that we think every business can do. So we didn't know the first thing about it two years ago. And so we actually found a MBA class at Suffolk University in Boston that was really looking for a partner to become the topic for the course. And so we had about 29 students take a look at our our business and our industry and uh, you know, we asked them to figure out how can we actually calculate the carbon impact our, our business has on, on the environment and not just us, but certainly, you know, all the work we do for the clients. And with we do a lot of direct mail work, as you mentioned in my uh, bio, mm-hmm. you know, outside looking in, boy, that means you're cutting down trees. And that, that is absolutely true. And, you know, after the tree is cut down, the tree has to find its way to a paper mill. Uh, that's got to burn off a lot, burn a, a whole bunch of carbon. Uh, the, from there, the, the, you know, paper mill has to process it into something that actually can be printed on. And then from there, it has to go someplace where it actually can get printed. So there's a, you know, we made a whole bunch of assumptions based on, you know, the best knowledge that we had. So, you know, and then, 
you know, from there, you know, it, it, there's the next step. It has to go to some place to get mailed and then it has to get shipped to the post office and the post office has to ship it all over the place. So there's a whole bunch of, of um, assumptions that we had to make to try and come up with, you know, a, a plausible way of figuring out what, what it is we were actually doing to the environment. Um, so they really took a good look at our business model. Um, and the other piece that comes into it is, is digital. And one of the things about digital marketing that was really eye-opening is, uh, and most of this information came out of, out of Europe, is um, digital marketing, depending on how you define it, accounts for as much as 4% of all global greenhouse gas emissions, which uh, just to put that into perspective, that's equal to the entire airline industry. And how can that be? Uh, so there was a, uh, a group called the Shift Project that um, you know, did a lot of work trying to figure this out. And um, they looked at the entire infrastructure of, of the digital world. And you know, obviously the internet relies on physical service servers in data centers all over the world. And those use a, a gob of electricity. There's miles of underseas cables, switches, routers that connect all these data centers around the road. Those need energy to run. And um, that's great. The energy that these use, is, these use are electricity based for the most part. And you, know, you have to look at a company like Google that they've been net zero in their practices because of the amount of investment they've made in renewable energy to power a lot of, of their data centers. But in the United States as a whole, uh, renewable energy sources are only about 12% of all of, of the energy that is used to create electricity. The remaining 88%, you bet, emits CO2 because it burns fossil fuels. So. When you start looking at marketing, and I know you do a lot of digital marketing for your clients, Lori, mm -hmm. um, it's mind-boggling how much um, that actually contributes. For example, a, a spam email, uh, according to uh, another source, it, every single one contributes 0.3 grams of CO2 into the, into the world. A regular email, like the one you and I had going back to set up this wonderful time to get together and talk about this, that's four grams. You attach a photo to an email, you get 50 grams. So you start throwing, you know, we're seeing a lot of use of video right now. And um, you, you were very prudent environmentally to turn off our video feed right now while we're sitting here having this conversation because that uses and produces a whole bunch of um, CO2. Uh, I mentioned that shift project a little bit ago. They mm -hmm. they figured out that online video, and this, this is pre-pandemic numbers, so before the, the advent of all the video communication we're doing um, in, in place of you know, getting on an airplane and traveling, which is worse than video, obviously, but um, online video is 60% of, 
of the 4% that they calculated. So um, as we shift more towards video channels, from a marketing standpoint, especially, uh, all of a sudden it made us realize, gosh, you know, direct mails may be not as bad as, as we thought. And um, so we tried to figure that out. And again, had to go all over the world to find this types of this type of information. A university in Argentina actually did a study trying to figure out, um, you know, is direct mail better or worse than electronic marketing? And, it, and, and their, their language was it's generally accepted that a four-page direct mail piece generates about 28 grams of, of carbon that contributes to, to um, global warming. And that's about half of one email with a photo. So fun facts all around here. And so you know, getting this you know, back to the members of the audience that are listening to this, that's the type of research you need to sit down and, and try to figure out for your own business. Um, and fortunately, there's a, a bunch of tools out there that we found very helpful to help calculate um, your, your, your firm's carbon, in, uh, carbon footprint. One of them is called TerraPass. And TerraPass is a, a company that has developed a very easy to use calculator that lets you look at your direct CO2 footprint. When I say direct, you have you know, direct things that you actually control. And then there's indirect, where uh, if you're a service business like we are, your, your clients have uh, you know make decisions about how they want to in our business you know make marketing decisions. So they, what channels do they want to use? And it's usually um, that, that that's indirect. But let's talk about direct first and, and uh, Terra Pass, and that's easy to find online. It's Terra with two R's and Pass with two S's. You know, TerraPass.org. So they have a business carbon footprint calculator, which just simply takes, you input the amount of money you spend on utilities. If you have company owned vehicles, if you travel by air, how much shipping you do, what are your employees community habits? Uh, looks at the number of servers uh, that you might have in your business if you're more uh, you know, digitally inclined. And it calculates a, carbon footprint for you um, on a monthly or annual basis. And it, it does it all in common units. That's another thing you find when you start calculating this thing. There's you know, short tons, there's pounds, there's metric tons. The language of, of um, sustainability is metric tons. So it does all that conversion for you. And you know, in our instance, you know, we found out you know, our, our business uh, you know, on an annual basis um, directly what was you know creating you know, somewhere in the order of around 2000 metric tons. So another thing TerraPass does is it gives you an opportunity right then and there to offset. Uh, we'll talk about offsets a little bit more shortly, but it gives you a chance to actually make a contribution through TerraPass that would um, purchase you know, offsets that would essentially neutralize 
your own carbon footprint. So that, that was the direct side. Um, there's a phrase that comes in as you do this, this uh, work here called work product. So work product is uh, essentially what a company does and it pertains to the CO2 that is created by the process of, of you know, creating your product or your service. So this is a little bit more complicated, but to, to simplify it, it, you hear a lot about the word supply chain these days. Um, supply, every business has a supply chain. And um, what you end up having to do is document every piece of your supply chain. We talked a little bit about this early on in terms of you know, going to the forest, chopping down trees. And so we documented every single step with the help of this group from uh, Suffolk University. And uh, they found a resource that we use every single month now, which is called the paper calculator. Um, so th th this is a tool that's relevant to our industry. You may find in your own industry, there's other tools out there. Um, odds are they're coming from Europe or will be sourced in Europe. That seems, as we've said before, that's, mm -hmm. that seems to be the heart of what we're talking about. But, you know, the, the whole process here is to pretend you're two years old and just keep asking why. So, I mean, supply chain language, that might be where. Keep asking, where did this thing that we have here in our factory, where did that come from? And what happened to it to actually get here? How did it get here? How did it get um, shipped? And uh, so this tool, the paper calculator, will give you a whole bunch of you know, different options in terms of uh, you know, best ways to calculate this. And uh, you know, it came out with some pretty scary numbers. Uh, so we, we were finding out in terms of metric tons that you know, we, we were producing on behalf of our clients, um, thousands and thousands of metric tons of, of carbon. So this, this was a concern to us. So um, we needed to go off and figure out how to offset that. So uh, you know, when we first did this last year in 2021, uh, it, it turned out our, we, we needed to offset everything that we possibly could in that process through um, tree planting. So we, we discovered a, a fantastic uh, organization called One Tree Planted. And everything ended up translating into that first quarter of last year when we did this the first time. Uh, we planted about 13,000 trees to offset the work of our clients. And wow, that's awesome. That is, that is a lot of trees. Um, yeah, last, last year alone, I think we came in around 20,000 trees that we needed to offset. They're used to offset the, the work of um, the direct mail components of our, our um, marketing programs. The digital pieces, uh, we've decided to offset through TerraPass. And um, our, our business mix is much more direct mail than, than digital. We probably do you know, 20 million pieces of direct mail a year and 
generate maybe you know 30 million impressions digitally um it's all integrated together uh so in that instance you know we found that uh you know the, the better offset for us was through TerraPass, but there are plenty of other offsetting options out there um which i'd be happy to uh talk more about but seems like i've been doing all the talking here laurie yeah no you i'm just does that mean i'm rambling load away no you, you've got some good information i'm actually okay. I, I i i loaded up terrapass.com <laughs> just kind of looking at that really fascinating i'm intrigued um blown away at the thirteen thousand trees planted i'm, I'm kind of curious like do you know where they got planted is you know where your forest is? <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, you, you, we do try to do ours in North America. Once yeah. we planted, since the time we met them two years ago, it has just blossomed uh, into a global organization. And that. they've really become uh, a primary uh, resource for anyone that's interested in reforesting. So they, they've partnered with uh, hundreds of companies and we're happy to be one of those partners um, and we're in really good company though uh, and, and the, the level of you know, there's you know, fortune 500 companies you know planting a lot of trees now offsetting um, in, in terms of getting to net zero now which is uh, sort of our mantra and actually if you go to net zero now dot marketing um, that's a, a subset of our, our core website that talks all about this and be plenty more information there if you'd like to see it. But the, the thing about offsetting is it's, it's, it's like paying a price for being bad to the environment. And it's great. It's, it's the best a lot of us, us can do, but it's not conservation. And conservation is really what we need to be thinking, thinking more about. So and the difference is it would be not taking down the trees, but still achieving uh, marketing goals of our, for our clients. Now, one of the things we, we came to realize is you know, the direct mail is still a very powerful tool um, and often generates a much higher ROI than any other form of marketing if it's done well. And by done well, we mean uh, targeted, you know, very tightly. So there's not much waste. Um, in the marketing business, waste is everything. Uh, when you look at, um, you know, the explosion of email 20 years ago, folks figured out, oh my gosh, this is practically free. Let's not worry about targeting. Let's just blast it all out there. And that's still happening. Spam is just totally out of control. And that's one of the reasons digital marketing as an industry seems to be, this is my conclusion, it is, is because there's so much more waste there because it doesn't cost as much to be wasteful. It, that's what's um, you know, getting to the 4% of you know, greenhouse gas emissions coming from you know, digital technology. And most of that is marketing. Wow. So um, we need to start, and this is something we, we've been doing just as a matter of good business, is doing a much better job of minimizing the amount of waste that we have in, in marketing. Um, you know, one, one of the 
concepts that it's, it's kind of, it, it'll be our, our mission 2.0 is um, assuming there's a, a fair number of marketers in the audience here. So mm -hmm. uh, we all measure our return on marketing investment. You know, how much did we actually spend and what did we get in return? There's a um, interesting thought when you look at a, a windmill. We see all sorts of you know wind turbines propping up around the globe, and mm -hmm. that's fantastic. If you try to calculate the amount of carbon that goes into building one windmill or wind turbine, so the actual carbon used to create this thing is going to be you know so important to our future, and how long it takes for that windmill to replace the energy that was used. There are studies out there that say that is, you know, about a 22 to 25 year carbon payback. In other words, the amount of carbon used to create that one windmill, it'll take that windmill 20 to 25 years to break even on that carbon investment. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's crazy, actually. Well, that's, that's, and that's, yeah, that's usually like, the, well, the life of the windmill, at least the, uh, what's the word? Like the wings, that's not the right word. The fan blades, the blades. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's short-lived actually. And um, they replace those quite frequently. So. Oh, it, it, exactly. There's a lot that's of. interesting too. Yeah. yeah. So, but if you start looking at all of your activities in terms of how much carbon did it take me to accomplish this? And you know, what, what's the payback in terms of, of carbon there? It, it'd be great to have in the marketing space, uh, some sort of measurement where we talk about, you know, how much carbon did it take to generate my, you know, 300 customers from this campaign? And how much carbon do I need to, you know, offset for that? Let's think about how do we make every campaign carbon neutral? Yeah. And I think we'd be seeing a, a much different marketing mix. I love right that. Now, you, you've inspired me in a lot of ways right now. <laughs> it's so complicated this. to figure out. And, it is. You know, I'm trying to be very simplistic in terms of, well, and, and I, I've been looking at this for a couple of years. I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for, you know, our, our industry to, to sit down and, and really look hard at, you know, that 4%. It, every single day, there's a new headline about the um, you know impact of of climate change on on people, mm -hmm. and you know the um, economists just did a, a great piece. They they actually have a tremendous amount of content about uh, you know climate change in general, but the inequities of the fact that you know you look at India, you know. There's a, a fact that 18% of the impact of, of climate change is being felt in India, yet they've only contributed 3% to the problem. Um, and, you know, there's famine occurring there. there the people are not, there's, there's not enough water. There's not enough food. It's creating a, a food crisis. And you throw in all of the uh, political aspects of what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, we're headed to a food crisis right now, and it's greatly exacerbated by um, climate change. 
United States is not, it, its output this year is supposed to be um, 20 to 25% less because of you know, too much heat in, in, the, in the plains and not to mention all the fires that have been occurring. Wow. Oh man. I'm trying to find a good point to transition to <laughs> a lighter topic, but this is pretty heavy stuff and it's really, well, it, it, it is, but, and, and um. it's important, but we can do something about it. And, you and, know, and one you, of the great things yeah, about provided. the pandemic, if there was anything at all, is we, we saw a massive shift in human behavior and, um, the, uh, you know, just levels of smog in um, certain areas. Like uh, there was a great image, Los Angeles, I think it was, had a, a before and after uh, um, photos of what happened in terms of smog in LA when everyone stopped driving and just staying home. Uh, all of a sudden you, you could see mountains that, believe it or not, you should be able to see from LA. You haven't been able to see them for years and you know the smog's back now. But it, it gives you hope that, you know, if we change human behavior, you can start cleaning the environment. There were, you know, fish swimming in the, in the Venice canals during the pandemic be, because of changes in whatever it was that was preventing fish from deciding to try and get, you know, pizza at their favorite spot on Canal Street in Venice. But, sorry, bad joke. We, I'm good at those. <laughs> Well, this is a good time to transition then. But before we do that, we're going to listen to a quick commercial from our sponsor here, Bruce. Excellent. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. Or you can get it mailed to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So oh, the downloads are probably you know, <laughs> it's um, the one off versus the whole. Sure. We, we've got them printed too. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the, the Big picture purpose of the show is is networking, building relationships, and you know introducing um, amazing people that I've connected with over the years to to um, the the awesome guests uh, on my show here. So um, what I find though with networking is that sometimes when people hear that word, it evokes fear, hesitation, uncertainty. Um, I'm hoping we can review uh, remove some of that by um, you sharing with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking experiences that you've had, Bruce. One of my favorite networking experiences. Gosh, um, you know, it, it absolutely has to be, um, th there's an organization called Agency Management Institute where- uh, heard of them. Oh, you're familiar with that. I know, yeah. Lori. I think that's, we, we might have met there once. I'm pretty sure that's where we've met. <laughs> no, but the, the thing that's so neat about it is that it, it's, it's a community of like-minded people trying to tackle like-minded, um, you know, similar challenges. In, even though it's a group of 
folks that are competing, you know, sometimes quite, quite aggressively with each other. It, it's a community. And, um, you know, if you're just talking about, you know, how hard it is to find, you know, great uh, people to join your agency right now, that's hard. And, um, you know, being able to network with folks that have that type of, of issue and they want to help. They, they, you know, maybe they have someone on their team that's not, you know, being as productive or not a great fit, but they can find out that it's a great fit for someone else who has that, you know, a similar need for that type of person. Um, you know, that, that's what, you know, building communities is all about. And, you know, one of our target audiences here for what we're doing, um, which is, you know, pro bono on steroids is we're trying to get other marketing companies to think more about how they're contributing to global warming and you know the ami network is perfect for that and you know we're still just getting going on our, our movement here net zero marketing excuse me net zero now dot marketing but you no know, we are getting you know some interest and we're happy to share this because it's, it's good for everybody it's good for our business it'll be good for their business and it's good for the planet did I answer your question? Yeah, no, I, I I love how you brought it back to the the carbon footprint a little bit here. But I I I hundred percent agree with you. The Agency Management Institute has has probably been one of the best um, relationship building experiences I've ever had. Uh, not just in the business, but I've created lifelong friends with it. I mean, there's people that have come and gone from the group that I still stay in touch with, which sure. is amazing. Um, when we, we almost, when we get, we have our meetings, we kind of make little mini vacations out of it. We, we intentionally plan to spend more time together, <laughs> which isn't normal. I feel like it's a yeah. much bigger group. So, um, and, and but, you just want to see, you know, people succeed. And, and I, I think a lot of the world now is realizing that, you know, you don't need to be afraid of competition. You need to actually embrace it and you need to help people succeed. And mm-hmm. the more you help, others succeed the more i think you end up succeeding yourself too 100 percent agree networking is is everything and what you're doing with social capital is amazing so well thank you i appreciate 300 how many what episode number is this 300 3000 something i don't know (laughs) not 3000 we're in the 360s range i believe i I don't have the exact number in front of me but um yeah that's kind of kind of a little mind-blowing just to think about that um but now I'm questioning, like, well, how much energy is this producing? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, I, I really feel honored to be on this and, you know, have an opportunity to share some of the work that we've been doing. And, you know, it's very important to be educating people about, um, you know, myths versus facts. And, um, you know, we've got a long way to go in, in terms of combating uh global warming a long long way to go but it's it's urgent and we have to do it now so um going back to the networking conversation how do you stay in front of and best nurture your network in your community how do i stay in front of your network in your community oh and, and nurture those relationships um well social media is certainly important um yeah i, I find in, in my circle linkedin is it's super powerful so that, that's, um, and, you know, coming out of a pandemic, it, it's interesting to, 
start actually, you know, mingling with, you know, real humans and, you know, uh, you know, being able to shake hands, give hugs and things like that. Um, so, you know, you know, making sure we, we are at places where, you know, our, our community is, is very important. Um, but I, I think a lot of us were getting, you know, used to hiding behind, if you can call this hiding, hiding behind the zoom camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's been folks that have been, you know, reticent to get, get back out there or, or when they're out there, you almost forget how to be truly social. And uh, so I, you know, I encourage anyone listening right now. Um, there's, that's, that, that's a comfort zone that I don't think we all wanted to be in, you know, beginning, you know, just myself personally, getting out and talking to people and, you know, beginning to have, you know, group meetings and, uh, you know, getting together with, with clients face to face again, it's, it's just been fantastic. And, but it, it has taken, um, you know, it's moving into a, a new comfort zone again. It, it really is. And you know, you, you and I were just talking about this before when we were at the agency management Institute conference, um, it was almost just exhausting, like being around so many people, which was amazing to have that type of energy um, together in a room. But man, I was drained probably because I'm just so used to staring at a computer screen all day long right. and not, you know, engaging with a group of high energy, intelligent people. In right. Uh, and like, you know, we haven't, I don't, I haven't been multitasking during this conversation. I don't know if you have or not. But, um, I'm not going to answer that. But, you know, one of, one of the, <laughs> yeah, but you know, when you're with someone, you don't sit there, you know, on your phone and you know, doing two things at once. You're totally engaged, and you yep. have a completely different level of interaction and an experience that that does take more energy, but it's so much more rewarding. Oh, totally agree with that, hundred percent. Um. I'm, I'm going to ask you another a fun question. I have a gut feeling. I know where you're going to go with this answer, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask it anyways. If you could go back to your 20-year-old self, Bruce, what would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? Um, listen to my gut more than um, other, other influencers I have in, in my life. So... Uh, you know, I, 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 for one, actually started my career and I always knew I was a marketing guy and spent uh, my early twenties at Procter and Gamble, uh, helping them sell lard in the form of Duncan Hines products, Pringles, potato chips, Cisco, uh, Crisco oils, you know, it's big. And I you know, knew I was a marketing guy, but uh, that wasn't going to be for me because everything was just convincing folks to spend a dollar forty nine on lard. So, so what did I do? I, I went back to business school. Then I became a banker, which is not anything I really wanted to be, but somehow there was an expectation. I think that um, that was a, a a good prudent move, and that expectation came from my parents and their friends and you know things like that and. Yeah, but all along there, I, my, my gut was saying, you know, I really should be doing something different than being being a uh, you know a guy that was basically, you know, being a product manager for uh, products that 
you know, didn't didn't really matter as much to me as as much as you know the, the fun of get you know creating creating needs and you know communications and things like that. So it probably took me twenty years to to break out of that. But my gut all along was saying, you know, this isn't the right career for you. So I guess that would be the 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 advice there. We all have a gut. Um, and we have intuition. And we we have you know messaging that's in our head that conflicts with the environment we're in often and i think you know over time i've gotten better at that but if i did that in my 20s i can't imagine what my life would be like now <laughs> um yeah i i believe that very much trust trust your instincts lean into them um but i mean your gut's gonna give you some direction based on experiences you've had but now, yes. you, now you understand that because of the experiences that you have had that you want to trust your gut so yeah. Um, yeah. Same thing with what we're doing with sustainability. My gut says it's absolutely the right thing. We've, we've done harm to our planet. Um, you know, our firms made money off that. It's time to rectify that. We need to, we need to make good on what we did. Yeah. All right. Bruce, it doesn't make great to... business sense, but it <laughs> okay. does. Yep. It's not something we have to do. Um, but it, it's for the greater good, which I, I appreciate and respect that you're doing that. Um, I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me now. What's something that you'd like to ask me? How on earth have you um, put together such, such a great community? Um, I, I, one of the things that totally impresses me about um, you, Lori, is that you've, you, you have just truly put together um, thousands of, of people and uh, gotten them interested and kept them motivated to keep learning about all it is that you, you, you've uh, learned yourself. I mean, that, that, that's impressive. How, how, what, what drives you to um, keep, keep doing this? The how part, I don't know. I'm just trusting my gut. <laughs> ah, I, I see a theme developing. <laughs> um. What drives me, you know, I, some self-reflection will just come pouring out right now. Um, totally winging my answer because I love the random question thrown at me. Um, I'm, I'm a giver at heart. I love educating. I love learning and I don't want to just hold it to myself. So I just share whatever I can with as many people as I can. I want to motivate. I want to inspire I want to encourage people to be the best that they can be. And, um, you know, if it's just one person that I, I can do that for, um, I'm, I'm happy. But one of the greatest things that brings me joy is when someone comes back. Um, it, it, more, more so than anything right now is like when a past employee or, or team member, I like saying team members, not employees, comes back to me and says, Lori, I am where I am today because of what you taught me. And I just think that's so cool. And I've heard that from past students that I've taught at the local university. Like I wouldn't have gotten this job if it wasn't for what you taught me. And I just think that's some of the coolest thing. That just makes me so happy to help others, you know, move forward and achieve their goals because of the information and experiences that I've had that I'm able to share as opposed to just keeping it to myself and letting, letting others make mistakes. You know, I, I've learned a lot of mistakes a lot of lessons by making mistakes. Um, but I'm, 
it took me a while to realize that other people are sharing information to help me not make the same mistake, but to learn from their lessons. So I decided I wanted to give that back as well. And that's where I think I started building a sense of community to some extent. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't say who's, who's in my circle, like raise, raise your hand. If you're in my circle, um, I just do my best to give to whomever's willing to accept it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, there's an old baseball adage. Um, you know, if, if you remember like the pitch back, um, mm-hmm. you know, the harder you throw the ball at the pitch back, the harder it comes back. And it's, it's just the same thing. The more you give, the more you get back. Sure. And um, cool. It, Thank it, you. You get it. It's just, I, I'm, you, you are an inspiring person to me. Oh, well, thank you. You're inspiring to me. I love what you're doing with um, the their global warming net zero initiatives. Oh. Uh, I heard you've got a, a fun little giveaway to our listeners if anyone's interested. You want to talk about that for a minute? Oh, my gosh. Sure. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we do in, in terms of planting is, um, you know, the more you, you take away, the more you have to give back. But anyone who would like to uh, enjoy, if they enjoy wildflowers, we, we'd love to send you out a, a package of uh, BKM marketing wildflower seeds. And it's, it's got an inspiring comment on the, the front of it. To stop climate change, we must change. So um, th- these are easy to plant. You, you just spread them in the ground and they grow and they, they start taking carbon right out of the atmosphere and they look nice. So it's the BKM wildflower seed mix. Well, doesn't that sound fun? I love it. I'm, you can throw I'll them in the, your window I'll be box. The you first can... to sign up for some. So send them my way. Excellent. <laughs> uh, any final words or advice you'd like to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Um, well, do the right thing. That's, um, pretty obvious advice, I guess, for some, but for some not so obvious. And, um, I I think if you, uh, there's always any situation has a right answer and any wrong answer. Sometimes you might need to think through the gray area a little bit, but most of us, I think know what the right thing to do is in this situation. That would be the advice. Do the right thing. Yeah. Not, it's not always the easy thing, but do the right thing. I agree with that. Or the cheapest. Correct. That's very true as well. So Bruce, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Let's see. I imagine this will be in the show notes, but um, my, my email address is usually the, the, the the most effective way to get in touch with me, which is um, bmcmeekin at bkmmarketing.com. But if you want to learn more about our um, sustainability initiative, um, this this new community we're trying to build, netzeronow.marketing is a great place to go. All right. Well, definitely include that in the show notes. Plus, I'd like to include some of the other resources that you talked about early on in the show notes as well. So we'll, we'll connect post show to, to get those 
correct addresses. Um, okay. Bruce, thank you so much for taking the time to share your, your knowledge around um, net zero marketing. And um, it's been great, great conversation. Well, thank you again for um, the opportunity to be here. This was fun. It was fun. All right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Bruce for taking the time to connect with us. As mentioned before, let's connect on LinkedIn. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And I really hope that you enjoyed today's show. But most importantly, I want you to reach out and connect with someone. Reconnect with someone from your past or find someone new that you'd like to connect with. That's what it's all about. Go and build those relationships. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.